Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Equipping and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today I get to welcome back my lovely wife, Sarah, to the show. Welcome back, sweets. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, can you give us an update on what's been happening with you since we last talked with you? Oh, uh, goodness. Um, you know, it's ironic that you should ask that because Sometimes I feel like there's so much going on and yet so very little seems to change from month to month. So um, I will say that I've taken on more um, editing projects and stuff like that. Um, just reading over people's uh, manuscripts and everything for fiction writing. So that's been interesting. Um, other than that, though, uh, pretty much the same old, same old, uh, just, you know, work, uh, church hanging out with family and friends and just the same stuff as usual. Yep. Yep. It's been busy ever since we got back from, you know, Christmas break and uh, here we get another break soon. So that'll be good. Yeah. Well guys, uh, today we're going to talk, uh, we're actually going to do one episode today on love and communication and marriage. And then you get us both again for the next episode. So we get a back to back of Sarah and Dave. So Awesome stuff there. But uh, so today we do want to talk about love and communication and marriage. It's a it's a topic that, you know, I think we talk a lot about in the church um, and we should talk about it certainly more. And, uh, you know, so so we're going to talk a lot about things related to that. And then uh, next week, we're going to talk about navigating conflict in marriage, which I think is something that we don't talk about enough in the church. Yeah. So uh, just to kind of kick us off, you know, we are convinced complementarians on this podcast. That means that, you know, we believe that men and women are equal in dignity, value and worth, but distinct in function and role. And we are firmly committed as a ministry uh, to marriage between one man and one woman for life. And Sarah and I will celebrate here. Uh, this month, we'll celebrate 15 years of marriage. And Sarah, just so you know that I'm not being sarcastic like I was at the dinner table that one night, it is February 18th. So there it is. <laughs> yeah, yep. we, had this, we had this conversation over dinner one night and I was saying, oh, it's the 14th and uh, uh, the 15th and the 19th and the 20th. And guys, I got some pretty um, fun looks from my wife. So that was fun. <laughs> She's like, are you kidding? Are you kidding me right now? So anyway. Yeah. Sometimes when people try and trick other people, it backfires on them. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that and <laughs> we'll go from there. I wasn't trying to trick you. I was being sarcastic. I'm pretty sure that's uh, when you're joking. That's kind of like the point of telling a joke. Anyway, did yeah anything, anything that you wanted to touch on 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 covenant marriage and those kind of things? Well, we're gonna talk about it. Uh, 
I wanted to start out by saying that it is um, something that while uh, it's been around a long time, every generation has something that comes against it, whether it's, um, you know, in biblical times, um, one man marrying multiple women or, you know, nowadays they've got, well, I mean, other outside of um, religious cults, they have um, a lot of people doing like uh, reverse harem uh, situations, which is, uh, or they, they call it polyamory or whatever, where, um, you know, there's one woman and multiple men or uh, a woman and a man and another woman and a man all in a weird mixed relationship. And, you know, that's just not a biblical portrayal of how marriage was intended by God. It's not a biblical portrayal of how it is meant to be uh, as a family uh, unit. And there's just no um, valid reason for having that kind of relationship. So it's an interesting, I mean, it's interesting that it's becoming more and more of a thing. And I, I recently heard a statistic, um, and I think it was also in an article that I was reading as well, but I heard it over a podcast initially, that it, it's something like 23% of um, relationships in the world are polyamorous in some way. And that is a pretty big number considering it used to be against the law in almost every country in the world. Uh, well, almost every um first and second world country. And, you know, there's still a lot of um, tribes and nations that practice it as a regular part of their life. So I can't really uh, group them together with, you know, um, France and England and, you know, the United States, for example. But um, yeah, it's, it's becoming more and more as, uh, as time goes on, it's becoming more and more of a fad. It's becoming more and more, um, accepted and tolerated in society and um you know a lot of other uh things that uh generations before never dealt with are are um coming to fruition now and we're seeing a lot of confusion about you know gender roles about um what it means to be a man what it means to be a woman um there's just a lot that is uh impacting our society right now and um, if we don't know what the Bible says about it, if we don't understand completely what um, God's word has to say about these issues, we, we can be easily led astray, easily led astray, because a lot of it is done in the name of, you know, love and tolerance and um, making people feel like they can just join the church, you know, just to um, get that spiritual uh, check mark. Um, without actually changing their lives in any meaningful way, without actually being Christ-like. And um, as we know, that's not a biblical approach to Christianity. So, Yeah, that's, that's really good. I mean, when we come to this subject, like you're talking about, the root issue, if we take it back um, you know, to the most simple thing, the most simple thing to, do, to say is those things are all an attack on the authority of Scripture. Because who created who created marriage? God. Who created us? God. What did God do? How do we know that he did that? We know it because he tells us in his word. 
So every all those attacks on the image of God and on marriage and on creation and everything, they're all an attack on on the authority of, of Scripture. They all aim what in one way or another to cast doubt on. Okay, did God actually you know say this? Oh, you know, no, you know they don't think that God actually said, and so they want to do whatever you know. Um, the Bible also talks about that. They, they're lovers of self. Um, and, you know, that's that's the thing is when you go outside a biblical revelation and you aim to have something that God hasn't said, um, you, you're always going to be in rebellion against God. You're going to be in rebellion against his his law, against his word. And when you do that, you're assaulting the glory of God. So mm-hmm. as you're talking, I'm just thinking the, these are all assaults on the glory of God. Like we don't have to, we don't have to pr- pretend to try to rebel against God. We, we do it inherently because we're sinners by nature and by choice. Uh, or as Calvin said, the, the human heart is an idle factory. We can't, we can't but help to, to seek for meaning and value and worth. You know, we, we love our sin and we'll pursue it to whatever end that we want because, you know, we were created for God and by God. And so if we seek something outside of what God has said, uh, guess what? Uh, we're going to do what we're going to do. And we're going to, the sinners, you know, are going to sin and they're going to keep doing it. And they're going to keep falling more and fo- more down that, that, to use the language of the movie the matrix they're, they're going to keep falling down that the, the down that rabbit trail and um you know they're they're going to go all the way they're, they're going to go all the way they're not going to go part of the way they're just going to keep and that's why we need that's why we need jesus um you know we we need we need the reconciliation we need the redemption we need the pardon we need forgiveness of sin we need to be declared not guilty um we need to be born again um by by christ uh because we are rebels and we don't have to be told we we don't have to pretend you know like um you know like a child doesn't have to be told uh to to do something wrong they're gonna do it wrong like all the time but they do have to be taught what is right as adults the same is true for us you know we have to be corrected when we when we err and when we sin, uh, our brothers and sisters need to come alongside of us and put an arm around us and say, ah, Dave, 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 let's, let's have a talk, Dave. And that's when Dave knows he better pay attention because uh, he did something really dumb. But <laughs> the, the truth is like, we all need that. And, and we need that kind of arm around the shoulder, as I call it, kind of accountability, not a finger in our face. But and, and that's dead serious. That's that's not a joke. And we, we need that kind of love. And that's what even we find in marriage is we find that that love, that real love isn't just okay. It's not like um we've talked about on this podcast with other people. I have it's not it's not just a feeling where you it's a fleeting feeling. And then okay, there you go. That's that's it. Um, real covenant marriage means that you made a covenant for life and you did it before God. Mm-hmm. And that means something that, um, especially if you're a Christian, Ephesians 5 tells us 
that Christ bled and died for the church. And Paul uses the, this picture of marriage, uh, the church being married to Christ. And, you know, um, so as Christ's bride, we're married to him. He, he is our bridegroom. Uh, we belong to him. And it's, you know, in that same passage, Paul says five times in the ESV, the English Standard Version, six times in the Koine in Greek, for men are told, commanded, because of the because of what Christ has done in his death, burial, and resurrection, they are to love their wife. Now, if you go down and look at the very last passage, I think it's in verse 33, only, only after those commands are given five or six times, depending on if you're reading the English or the Greek, only then are, are wives told one thing, respect your husband. But even that respect for the husband is grounded. It's grounded in the reality of what Christ has done for us. Like he doesn't just leave us to our performance or to our, um, you know, our moralistic behavior kind of situation. Uh, I, I think there was a thing in the last few years where we've seen that's called moralistic therapeutic, therapeutic deism. It's the idea, basically a behaviorism, just, just, you know, buckle up, uh, buckle up buttercup and, you know, you'll, you'll end up doing better, you know, well, if what I, everything I just said is true and it is from the Bible, uh, there's no way for us to do better. We're, we're going to fall on our faces. And that's where people, they just give up in, in marriage because they don't know what real love is. And it, the only way that we can really love is, is because of what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, you said earlier when we were talking about what the true definition of marriage is, is um, it, they try and pull this, uh, did God actually say? And that is the one of the first phrases in the book of Genesis that Satan uses to trick the woman. He says, did God really say that you, if you eat this, you'll die? And she has to tell him, well... Yeah, that's what God said. And he then convinces her, no, you won't surely die. You're, you will be like God. You'll have knowledge of God. And so when I hear people quoting that, it makes me think of just how far gone we are as a society that we don't know what God actually did say that we can't, uh, you know, we are, our claim to fame in America is that we're a Christian nation. We, that, that our founders from the ground floor started us um, with these biblical principles and uh, schools were um, created to teach us um, these things throughout the generations of, of the United States of America, um, such as Harvard and other Ivy League schools um, were developed as uh, seminaries to teach our uh, young men um, biblical principles so that we would always be guided by um, the word of God as a nation. And yet, to this day, Harvard is one of the most liberal schools in existence. I mean, it's so liberal that even the liberals are like, I don't know if I want to send my kids there because they are coming out with some crazy, crazy ideas, you know, Um, (laughs) not not as many uh, liberals are saying that as you might think, but there are some that are concerned and they should be because um, what, you know, um, moralism teaches is that 
Um, we write our own code. We write what we think is morally accurate, morally true, um, and, and what is morally revel- relevant for today. And if we don't have the Bible as our standard, if we toss out God, um, you know, just like dirty bathwater, toss the baby out with the bathwater, uh, we are basically saying that um, we we are our own gods. We can create whatever we want. We can do whatever we want because we have no standard of good and evil other than what is in our own hearts and minds. And as we know, our hearts are an idol factory, as you also pointed out. So it's not uh, it's not something that I would want to build a uh, set of rules on, you know, my heart, my mind, uh, they change day to day. I have different ideas from when I was a teenager. I have different ideas from when I was five years old and I have different ideas from yesterday. So, you know, to say that, um, I should establish right from wrong, even in my own life is absolutely ridiculous. I can't, say that because I need to be going back to the word of God to establish that. And when we are um, subjecting ourselves to God's authority instead of man's authority, instead of our own authority, that's when we can have true meaningful relationships with each other. That's when we have true love and, um, and communication in our marriages. That's when we can have, um, you know, a, a right understanding of how, um, our marriages should work, how we should be honoring God first, then our spouse, then our the rest of our family after that. And that is the foundation of any relationship, really, truly, um, whether it's our marriage or any uh, uh, relationship with, you know, with your kids or your uh, coworkers or anything, we must always be putting God first in that. And it's, so critical that it, that's how it is. Um, we we talked earlier also about um, the man uh, being the head of the household, and um, that's a picture of how Christ, uh, uh, the, the God the Father is the, is you know the first in the Trinity, and then uh, Christ, and then um, the bride of Christ is under Jesus's headship, and we uh, uh, the man of the house is to put on that mantle similar to how Christ is over the church. The man in the house is to put on that mantle of headship in the home, but he has to remember when he does this, that he is Christ's representative in the house, that he needs to be uh, loving his wife first and his children second in that order um, according to how Christ loved the church and died for her. And he needs to be that, um, you know, that he needs to love in that sacrificial way. And I feel like, uh, today in our society, we've gone completely 180 away from that. We don't, we don't understand it as a society. We don't understand what it means to love sacrificially. We don't understand what it means to have the man be um, a man as the Bible explains he should be. Um, as the head of the home, there are so many poor examples out there of 
people taking that to basically be a way of enforcing a almost like a totalitarian like I, uh, my way or the highway, I rule over you. You must do as I say type of thing. Um, I rule with an iron fist. My family um, better listen to me or else, you know, and that's just not, that's not a godly man. That's got not, that's not how God intended the husband to be interacting with people in his household. And so we're going to run into this type of thing over and over again until we start looking to the Bible for answers. Yeah. What you're touching on there, sweet, is is about abuse in the home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, abuse, as we've talked about it on this podcast, a, a man abusing his wife is, is abusing his um, God-given responsibility and role to lovingly lead the home. Now, in that same passage in Ephesians 5, Paul talks about mutual submission between uh, a husband and a wife that doesn't mean like the man goes and does whatever he wants to do um this is why you know first peter 3 7 is one of the most misunderstood passages and also one of the most uh controversial but it doesn't have to be um it tells us that that a man's prayers will be hindered if he doesn't live with his wife in an understanding way uh and and it's pretty clear. Like if you don't live in an understanding way with your wife, men, um, your prayers, God's word, will be it says well, your prayers will be hindered. What that means is if you're treating your wife uh, however you think you want to, um, in an abusive way, belittling her, attacking her, etc. Don't be surprised if God God's ears are deaf to you. Uh, you can pray out until you're blue in the face, but God won't hear your prayers. That's that's what that passage is is saying. It is what it means. So what you're touching on is significant. Um, I wanted to take this in a little bit different direction because um, there is a real issue with this this issue that we're talking about about love and marriage. People think, ah, you know what? I don't love my I don't love my spouse like. But what they really mean is, okay, I don't, a lot of the times what they mean is I don't feel love towards my spouse. Mm-hmm. Now, now, sometimes that's true. Like even, even in our marriage, I'm sure, you know, for my, for my part, I don't always have those lovey dovey cuddly feelings, but that doesn't mean that I don't love you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there was one time when I came back from, teaching all day and i had to before i crawled over i i was actually concerned because i was like you know um you know when we lived in idaho and i was concerned because i was like i don't have those lovey-dovey feelings and i prayed about it i said lord increase my love for you so i can increase my love for for my wife and that kind of attitude that kind of posture is is not only honoring to god it's also biblical um, and, and it honors, it honors our spouse too. Um, it, it shows that we actually do care. And this is what we're talking about. It's not just many people today think love and marriage is just a feeling. It's, it's more than a feeling. It's, it's, it, it goes back to the covenant aspect of things. We made a covenant with God. We made a, an oath, a promise, a, co- a covenant is, is literally, a, it's, it's a promise. It's, 
but it's before God. It's before God and it's it's before uh it's before others. So not only did you make a, a, a covenant in the sight of God, and God was there and he was present as he always is at all times and all places, but you also did it before other people. And so it's not a feeling, it's more than that. And when you understand, when you when you really get this, um, what it does is it 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 will many men they struggle with this uh, i'm sure women do as well but um since i work with men primarily most of the t- majority of the time it's a real issue because they think you know what my life isn't being loving towards me and so what does it matter you know what does it matter but love is more than just a feeling it it has to have a objective source and that's what that's what I was talking about earlier about how that source. If we go back to the example of the plugging into the you know the power source, like my laptop is plugged in right now, uh, so that it has uh, can you know get its energy. But how is it getting its energy? It's plugged into the wall. This is this is how we get plugged into the right source, which is Christ. And that source fuels us and helps us to, enables us to love. And this is going to become um, really, really, this this sort of understanding is going to become really, really important. And, and that's why I go back to it, um, because as we're going to talk about here in the, the next two parts here, about friendship and communicating with another. What we just talked about here, well, the reason that we camped on it so much is because it is a real issue. And it it's the reason that you can have friendship with your spouse and grow in friendship with your spouse and communicate well with your spouse. So if you if you don't understand those things, um those other two things that we're going to talk about here aren't going to make any sense at all. So that's why we really wanted to spend the the time talking about it. You know, um, anything you want to say before that, or do you want to lead into the friendship aspect of things? I just wanted to um, mention that you you already touched on this, but um, so many people have this assumption when they get married that they are going to always have this um, um, love feeling, the warm fuzzies, the, uh, the desire to, you know, hold and cuddle and snuggle and, um, whatever else they have built up in their mind about what a marriage would be like and, and what love is like between a husband and wife. Um, so many people have these, um, ideas of it's just romance all the time. And, Anybody that's been married for more than, you know, a year or two can tell you it's that's absolutely bonkers to think that you can't. (laughs) That is just ridiculous notion, because certainly you would want there to be romance in your marriage, um, you know, throughout the duration of however long that is, hopefully uh, many years, um, assuming that that you both live a, a long time. but the the problem is is that like you said you you or your spouse one or the other or both of you at times will go through these periods of time when maybe you've had some arguments or maybe you're just 
having a rough time in general and you were just struggling to feel anything towards them, even remotely nice or pleasant, even. Uh, Tell so, us how you really feel about so, me. No, now. <laughs> I, but seriously, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just joking with you. I know, I know. Um, but, you know, God when he is our source, like you mentioned, he provides the love and it helps us um, if we consider that it's not just a um, a romantic love, but a um, a love. Uh, what is the Greek term? Do you know which uh, agape. agape love? Yes, um, that we should be uh, showing agape love, um, which is. I think in some translations translated as charity, um, if I'm not mistaken. So we're to show in an active way, a, um, a way that demonstrates not just thinking things, not just feeling things, but a way that demonstrates that we care about our spouse. And that's why it's so hard for people that um, have this romantic love idea in their head. They've got it, you know, cemented in there at some point that this is how it's supposed to be. And then when it isn't, or when they have struggles and ups and downs in their marriage, they are ready to throw in the towel because they get frustrated that it it's not the way that it was uh, day one, day two in their marriage. You know, the first week they're in their honeymoon phase. Everything's, as they say, everything's gravy, you know. Well, it can be for a while, but eventually you're going to run out of the gravy, right? So <laughs> let's not let's not hold on to that and, and make it our hope. We need to be holding on fast to Christ and let him be the center of our marriage and let him be the wellspring that we are um, allowing the agape love to flow out of. And uh, that's also how we develop our friendship with our spouse. And I know um, we wanted to talk about that. So I don't want to go too far into it right now. But um, uh, let me just say that when you okay. have a best friend in your spouse, it makes all the difference in the world. And the only way that you're going to have a best friend is if you share the deep things with them and let that agape love be the one driving factor in that. Yeah. How do you think we do that? Um, we usually sit down and have dinner or, uh, you know, um, maybe after dinner, sit down and chat. And um, we share a lot of stuff, and especially on like long drives if we go somewhere we're constantly chatting about you know just whatever comes up uh we don't have an agenda i i know most people don't have an agenda when they chat with their friends um unless there's something specific that they need to discuss but um we try and keep it uh you know casual keep the conversation flowing and um, allow each other to express whatever opinions or um, things that they want to and and keep just keep the dialogue going that's the best way to in my opinion to do it just keep the dialogue going and keep our uh, keep our conversations going yeah and this is where this goes um, it, it goes to keeping short accounts with one another as well because if yeah. you're keeping current with one another and you're talking with one another and you're showing love and care, uh, you're going to stay out of your pastor's office. Uh, 
And you're going to stay out of your biblical counselor's office. Now, whenever I've said that to pastors and biblical counselors, they always laugh, but, but they, they agree. It's true. Like if you can get this down, you'll stay out of your pastor's office and you'll stay out of the biblical counselor's office. They, they won't. I mean, it's good to, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go there if you, you need some help or whatever. Like, I'm not discouraging that. That would be the last thing I would do, but like you, you'll stay out of there for the marriage issues. Like, it, it, you'll be able to talk through because you're developing this friendship with your with your with your spouse, like Sarah's saying that we do, and we do this. Like we sit down, you know. We haven't, you know, uh, when I, we were in Idaho, for example, and I was leading them, helping provide leadership to the men's ministry and teaching every Wednesday, and then Sarah the next day or every other week would have, um, you know. Uh, she would have worship practice or she would have um, audio practice. We, we were coming and going and oftentimes we'd even pass each other on the road. Hi, hi. Yep. Um, we would wave pa- driving past each other. Um, but, it, but when we moved out to, to California, one of the things that we, and, and even in preparing together, we wanted to, you know, when I had stepping out of, out of helping and uh, doing the men's ministry and those kind of things, I said, I really want to make sure that we prioritize um, our friendship because I think that it needs to improve. And then we, you know, we outline some ways. And this is one of the biggest ways, just making sure that we're sitting down. I mean, and we were, we were having a weekly date night. We were having, doing all those things, but we wanted to make it even better. So there's even in a good marriage, it can even become better. Uh, So you need to be, I'm not saying, okay, you have to you have to like improve in every single area of, of your marriage. No, I'm saying like look, but look for opportunities. Like even in a good marriage, there's opportunities to to improve. And and this was just one thing that that Sarah and I did, and it and it helped uh to to give more openness in 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 our in our relationship and our friendship. And um, so that's what I would say to guys, just like keep looking for opportunities, you know. Uh, to love your spouse and and ladies do the same and you know like I said earlier we we ha- we are mutually submitted to be submitted to one another but that doesn't mean guys that you get to d- tell your wife you know what to do like but at the same time there does have to be an understanding like you said earlier that the man is the the leader of the home and some people take that in a way that is weird. They, they take it as, well, you're just being, you're just trying to dominate over your wife. And that's where, this is where, why we talk about friendship and communication, because, you know, um, you know, in, in communicating with, I, I pay all the bills uh, and, and, you know, those kind of things, but I let my wife know, Hey, here's where the money is going. Um, or, when we're making a decision on a house, it's not, Hey, guess, guess what? Dave gets to pick, you know, everything that he wants in the house or a car, or just because he's the man of the house and, you know, he's, he's got the authority to do it. No, that's not what we do. That's, that would be actually abusive. Um, But instead it's, it's because we're pursuing that open and honest. And we're going to talk about this more next time. We're developing that friendship and we're, we're communicating with one another 
hey, you know what? Actually, there'll be that openness and honesty and there'll be that um, understanding like, hey, this guy isn't the worst. Uh, he has my best in mind. Um, and and there'll be there'll be more of like an, uh, a sweetness there. And and people pick up on that. Um, they really they really do, um, because this whole thing is actually countercultural. It's it's how we as Christians um, in our marriages we can be we can demonstrate Christ in a very tangible way, and marriage is marriage is one of those things that is to be a witness to our culture, um, and and this is one of the reasons why, why we want to talk about is because we as Christians we don't talk about enough about even in marriage books or conferences about pursuing friendship with our spouse and. And, and we do talk some about communication, but we don't talk about it enough. And that's why we spent so much time in this episode talking about, you know, what a real love is and where its source is. So, yeah, um, I, I do want to touch on one point here. <clears throat> Sometimes we uh, are going to argue and fight in our marriages. That's gonna happen i don't care how lovey-dovey you are towards one another you're gonna run into a time when you disagree with your spouse on whatever it is could be going to chinese and uh you know can't figure out which place that it has the better chinese food or whatever ridiculous thing it is and it could be a very serious issue too so it's not just the the little things but it could be a very big problem um the point that I wanted to bring up, though, is that we need to be sure that we are um, holding not only short accounts with our spouse in regards to apologizing when we need to apologize, asking for forgiveness when we need to ask for forgiveness, forgiving when we need to forgive. Um, but we also need to keep in mind that our speech towards one another needs to be Christ honoring. And I feel like that's a that's a difficult one from a lot of people, probably even most people. Um, the tendency to lash out or to say um, hurtful things or or harsh things to our spouse can be a very significant tendency. It can be a very overwhelming desire in our flesh, and it's one of the things that Dave and I have had to really put a lot of time and effort into growing in because as young adults getting married at age of, you know, 24 and 26, um, <laughs> what can I say? We were definitely about as far from perfect as you can get. And we were not perfect towards one another. And uh, we got into many an argument that became shouting matches. And, you know, uh, Dave will even admit to you, there were times when we couldn't even stand to be in the same room as each other. Uh, we couldn't stand to be even in the same house as each other. Sometimes we had to, you know, take a walk or take a, you know, a time out outside somewhere or something. Um, but the point is, is that um, if you if you go to sleep uh, angry at your spouse, if it's something where you're really upset and you can't handle talking about it the same day, um, do so with the knowledge and the understanding that you should be reapproaching them um, at the earliest convenience to make reconciliation with them. And it's 
sometimes uh, like our pastor says at the church that we attend, sometimes reconciliation isn't always possible, but in a marriage, we need to be especially um, pursuing reconciliation with one another to the utmost because our relationship with one another, as we've mentioned earlier in this podcast, is a reflection of how uh, Christ and the church are to interact with one another. And so we need to be constantly, you know, um, asking for forgiveness when we've sinned against one another and speaking slowly and listening quickly and just making sure that any time um, we are feeling angry or upset that we take the time to say the things that need to be said, but in a way that's gentle and caring with our spouse in a loving manner and respectful. Um, That goes for both the man and the woman. You know, it's not just um, wives respect your husbands, but it's also husbands respect your wives. Um, It may not be as explicit in the Bible, but we, we are both co- uh, uh, partners in a marriage where if one doesn't respect the other and, or one doesn't love the other or show compassion towards one another, then there can't be a marriage because eventually you'll stop trusting that person. You will stop respecting them. You'll stop trusting them. Their word means nothing to you. And when that happens, you don't have a marriage anymore. And there's not a lot that can fix it other than God himself, if he so desires. But, you know, and I choose to believe that it is always the will of God to restore um, broken relationships um, as much as our sin natures will allow it between us. But we need to be making the effort every time. That that's uh, Those are all really great, great thoughts. And uh, we're going to touch on that more uh, in you know, next week's episode. So really good lead into there. So you'll want to come back and, and hear us talk about that. So we want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of Equipping and Grace. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, at Servants of Grace, on Instagram, at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.